Is it? Is it me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, welcome to North vs. South, episode 11. Episode 11 already, John. Yeah. Uh, which seems crazy. Uh, who'd have thought they'd let us carry on this long? Just think, 11 episodes ago, we were pure as white virgins. That's it. Podcast virgins. Uh, I'm diving straight in with some pie news, John. <clears throat> right, what? Wow. Uh, the uh, The Guardian today is reporting that our Prime Minister has told the Gloucester citizen that uh, the UK's uh, regional foods could lose their protection after uh, Brexit, which <laughs> means uh, anyone, any Tom, Dick or Harry, could make a pork pie and call it a... Uh, I don't know, a traditional pork pie. So can you imagine that? Anyone, oh dear, anyone. Yeah. It'd be East European pork pies coming over here, taking our packed lunches imagine, over. Imagine, you know, Ginsters, you know, their wonderful product. And, yeah. you know, being, you know, that being stolen away from us. That'd be a tragic, oh, well. you know, those, those rubbish cooks of uh, France and Italy uh, <laughs> conjuring up their terrible versions of yeah. uh, or traditional foods. Oh dear. Yeah. So, uh, so sorry to start the podcast with such such a uh, a dire yeah, bit of pie news. Yeah. Well, I can't, we can't leave now, can we? We can't. Got to, no. got to protect our um, insipid motorway food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, John, yeah. how's your week been? Uh, yeah, how's good. your day been? Uh, day has been a long one, has it? Yes, I've been swimming today. How many lengths Always did you do? Fifty. Fifty. Yeah. Wow. It was good. Uh, it always just clears the mind. Um, yep. I've been working on a website design, um, struggling with that a bit um, and sort of, and then doing lots of production work, print work and adverts and things. So a normal day. Um, and in other things, what I've been doing, I've been, um, I've been playing some games mm-hmm. uh, with a friend of mine who is uh, a dad that I met through the thing called NCT, which is for new parents. It's like a, Hitler youth. Cult. Yeah. Hitler youth for <laughs> new parents. Yeah, but uh, not, it was but so more extreme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you must not bottle feed your child. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, he's a war gamer and enticed me to play Warhammer 40,000 ages ago. And I, I didn't really like it, but we're playing other games now as well. So board games and things like that. So it's, that was good fun. So we're painting Ooh. lots of little figures. Yeah, busy the, doing that. The little tank you uh, sent me the picture of looked fantastic. Yeah, we're playing like a tiny scale. It's um, 15 millimetres, which is smaller than the old Airfix little figures that you used to melt in the garden with yeah, they were magnifying great. glasses. So, um, yeah, it's slightly smaller than that. I think they're 20 mil, they're called. Yeah. So it's pretty hard to paint, especially with my old eyes. Well, you've done a cracking job. Yeah. Oh, I've enjoyed it. It's good. Mm. Um, yeah, so we've been doing that, planning our games out. Um and what else have we been doing? Um, yeah, we've been. I've started a blog with him as well, so uh, we'll be um, posting that. Might cool. that might be slightly private because that is ultra geek, isn't it? Really. <laughs> uh, well, as long as you share it with me, and then I can. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll come back on the next episode and uh, tell everyone just how geeky it is. <laughs> but we've got the best blog name ever. Yeah, Dad's Armies. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I was well pleased with that one. Yeah, Nobody, nobody's good. used that gag. That's you know, I can't see it anywhere on, on, on any blogs. Lots of dads armies, but not dads apostrophe after the s. Yeah, yeah, yeah crazy. Pretty pleased with that one. Yeah, good work. What about you, Rob? 
Well, I've been, uh, I've been uh, making an honest living. Um, what? <laughs> no, I've been, I've been out of the uh, my little garret. I've been released into the wild, and I've been doing some freelance design work for a little studio. Uh, the owners of which I know from a previous bit of freelancing I did, uh, and they've got a very nice little studio on Eel Pie Island, which, if you don't know, is uh, a little island in the middle of the Thames at Twickenham. It's bigger than I thought it was, actually. There's quite a lot going on on Eel Pie Island. Yeah. So they've got um, the studio is uh, in kind of a new-looking kind of boat shed style thing at one end of uh, Eel Pie Island. And there's loads of little creative businesses. There's four or five um, sort of design agencies. There's kind of some IT companies. There's the Platonic Fireplace Company. You can have that ad for free. I don't know what a platonic... I haven't looked them up, so I don't know what a platonic fireplace is. Mm. Any ideas? No. Is it something to do with Harry Potter? <laughs> I don't, I That's really what don't. I say about anything that I don't yeah. know about. Yeah. Platonic it's, fireplace company. It's in the fourth book. Right. I'll look that up. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, it's really nice. It's um, across a little bridge to get to it. Oh, you know... Have you been to the island? When yeah. You said your your yeah. sister works there. My sister works there. Weirdly enough, isn't that a small yes. world? So I'm in the opposite office right. to your sister. All right. I haven't spotted her or her right. sausage dog yet. No, she's a tiny little person with a sausage dog. Well, shouldn't be too hard to uh, Very pretty, my them. sister. George, Georgina. Lady yeah. Georgina, as we call Lady her. Lady Georgina. Uh, but she um, is... Yeah, no, and um, Eel Pie, it's an eight, isn't it? It's where there's, along that yes. stretch of the Thames, there are lots of little tiny islands. There are, yeah. It's the second island in the Thames I've worked on. Yeah. I used to work for a guy who lived on Pharaoh's Island in uh, Shepparton. All right. Um, and he gave me a key to his, his rowing boat, so I used to <laughs> rock up at the riverside, unlock his rowing boat, and row myself across to his studio. Wow. Which was nice in nice weather, and not so nice when it was blowing a gale, and the river was in full flood. Yeah. There was, there was one time I didn't think I was going to make it, I thought I might end up in Staines. Oh, no, it'd be the other way, wouldn't it? I don't oh, know. Alton. Which way were you heading? Uh, whichever way the river was flowing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a close call. Yeah, left but to yeah, right. So, right to um, left. so, yeah, working on an island in the Thames again, and it's very nice. And the work's, you know, all right. Good. Nice. So it's it's uh, kind of nice to be in Twickenham. Yeah, well, weirdly enough, a, um, on my screensaver floating past the uh, screen at the moment is my, a picture of my wife with... Eel Pie Island in the background. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? She's up at the Pope's, um, uh, yeah, sort of Pope's Grotto sort of way looking yes. down the river there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a lovely, if you haven't been there, definitely explore there. And then the gardens as well, just next to it. Yeah. Orleans House as well. It's just an amazing stretch of river. Um, it's, it's fantastic. A lot of those islands were sort of pleasure islands, weren't they? In the 16th, 17th century, they were kind of, um, you know, Dirty stop out places where they, yeah. uh, there's one in Brentford, I think. Um, I think Eel Pie was one. Definitely in, in the 60s, it was a live venue, wasn't it? For music. Yeah, the, the Rolling Stones used to play and record there, didn't they? Mm. Um, there's, another, there's another one up near Shepparton as well called um, Doily Cart Island, where uh, is it Richard Doily Cart? The, am I saying that right? The Gilbert and, Gilbert and Sullivan opera people. Yeah. He owned an island there. 
Um, and I think that was quite a, a debauched venue. Um, yeah, so that's that's been my week, really. I'm there uh, a few days next week as well. So that's keeping me busy. Are you enjoying being back in Design Saddle or oh, does it feel a bit... It's okay. I feel slightly uh, out on a limb only because I'm sat at like a weird temporary desk and the world's most uncomfortable chair at the office because they've had to draft in an extra table. Um, so I feel a bit like a spare part in that sense. But the work itself, you know, it's quite nice to be uh, dabbling in InDesign again. That's my, That's been my week, I think. I don't think I've got any other... Um, any other musings of my week? Yeah. It really has just been work. The commute is nice, much better than Shoreditch. Yeah. Do you walk? Yeah, my wife drops me off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's nice to be able to uh, leave the house at half past eight. You could almost swim, couldn't you? I could. I should cycle. When the weather gets a bit better, I should cycle down there. Yeah. So, anyway. News. What has been going on this week, John? Well, you've been busy... Uh, f- scurrying around, finding all sorts of little tidbits. Um, yeah, I do, I do all this via pocket. So I... Uh, oh, yeah, I used to use any, that. Any bit of news I see, I think, ah, oh, might be interesting. I add to pocket, which is one of these sort of read-me-later apps. But I like pocket, and you can, you know, it syncs across your Mac and your phone, so it's quite cool. Um, yeah, so uh, the first bit of news I spotted was... Um, we're not getting paid enough, John. Are we? Um, no, uh, we're not getting the going rate for uh, people working in our industry because Martin Sorrell, uh, head founder and head of WPP, the world's biggest marketing brand, uh, is getting paid £70 million. Pounds. <laughs> That's 70 million, seven zero, 70. I can't, every time I look at that, I can't quite grasp it. Um, he's he's astonishingly unapologetic um, about his pay packet, and has he's been paid stupid sums before. I think he's kind of like a five year rolling kind of bonus scheme. Um, and I think last time this cropped up, he uh, he was in the media, sort of saying he's worth every penny. Um, he founded the company. I'm not quite sure how he found it because he bought a company called Wire Plastics and something or other products, Wire Plastic Products or something, um, and then used that to build his advertising company. Um, and I don't quite understand how that happened, but that's where the WPP comes from. And he, he started it up about just over 30 years ago. And I think it was when he uh, he launched it, it was worth a million. And now it's worth 21 billion. And they seem to have bought up pretty much everyone over the years. Um, just kind of subsuming other brand, other branding agencies and advertising agencies and creative businesses. Yeah, I think that's what he is. He's a smash and grab merchant, isn't he? Um, yeah. Uh, and I think that's, you know, you can just buy a, an ailing PLC or... They're called, yeah. they're called robot companies sometimes. They, I don't you know. can buy like off-the-shelf limited companies that are already set up so you don't have the cost of registering mm. them. And I guess it's the same with a PLC that has already got shareholders that you're going to... Uh... Yeah, so he just he just uh, he explains his pay packet by saying, well, you know, this is a company that was worth a million 
and under my stewardship, it's worth twenty-one billion. So, it's, I mean, there's a logic to what he says, but as to where whether or not anyone is worth 70 million. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really anti it. I mean, the thing is that he's, um, it's a public company. He is um, beholden to the shareholders, but he's mm. making them an absolute shed load of money. That's um, it, isn't he? And that's capitalism for you, isn't it? That, that is capitalism in a nutshell. And the fact that he is unapologetic um, is the kind of attitude of the super rich, isn't it? it yeah. You know, couldn't give a flying... For Dango, yeah. um, about anybody apart from themselves and how much money they're earning, uh, I, I think that he comes across as a very cold, um, greedy, um, yeah, yeah, not a nice person. But he, he might yeah. be the loveliest person in the world, but um, you know, it just it just doesn't it, it doesn't put him in a good light, does it? It doesn't. No. Um, but I don't understand all the media, you know, for, I mean, I'm sure it's just a story, isn't it? And it's a good story. But um, I think the thing that he just completely blanks them, he's just completely ignoring them. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess it's the timing, isn't it? On the back of the Panama Papers and tax avoidance, not suggesting he's involved in tax avoidance or evasion, but on the back of all that kind of thing, it's, uh, it's just even more topical. Yeah. He's a very youthful looking 71, isn't he? Well, yeah, I would be if I was getting paid seventy million a year. <laughs> You'd float to work on a cloud, wouldn't you? I'm not sure I'd go to work if I was worth seventy million. No. Uh, yeah, so that's Martin Sorrell and his seventy million pound pay packet. Well, I think he's got some interesting conversations with his shareholders, has not he? Coming up, I think yeah. they got a, an annual. Yeah, I think it's in June, but I think this is all part of some deal that was struck um, five years ago. Based on share price and yeah, profits uh, and stuff, he's already so he had this mandate. You know the mandate. Yeah, so I'm not sure it, they can. It? I'm not sure they can quibble really. Yeah, I know we love to complain. I mean, it's it's outrageous, isn't it? But I love. Mm. But you know, we keep voting in, you know, capitalist loving governments. So yeah. uh, you know, what do you expect, guys? People out indeed. There, um. So what's next on the agenda? <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> it sounded like a robot. Yeah. Well, next on my uh, list was um, was the Czech Republic. No longer wants to be called the Czech Republic. Which is fine, I guess. Yeah. They can be called whatever they want. I don't know if they're having any sort of vote about this, whether or not uh, everyone in the Czech Republic is happy about this, but they're going to be uh, referred to as Czechia. Yeah. It sounds a little bit cheeky girls uh but uh, apparently it's a historic name for the area of uh kind of western it's west it's czech republic is western czechoslovakia isn't it with the old czechoslovakia right um i think it's a historic name for that it's been used since the 15 1600s or something um so yeah so we've got to get used to referring to them as Czechia. is this going to happen I think it's happened. I think they've just the the government have had a a, a meeting and they've said Chechia. Okay, I'll keep saying Chechia. <laughs> it's it's a strange name. It is, and it sounds a bit too much like Chechnya. Um, that's going to get very confusing for Americans in particular. Um, but yeah, curious. Hmm. What have you spotted? 
Um, I have been looking at, uh, what have I found? Um, following on from deleted websites, I've got another, there was another one on the BBC. Um, you know, people back you, back your websites up. Um, Ross County Football Club, uh, on the eve of, um, some kind of big match. I don't really follow football, so I don't really understand it. But, um, yeah, they had a one, two, three reg site mm-hmm. um again if you're a public limited company spend a bit on your hosting you know don't go on a <laughs> thing that's costing you 20 quid a year but anyway there was a big uh data loss nobody had any backups and they've lost their website lost all their e-commerce site on it and everything whose uh, fault was it was it ross county's fault uh i imagine they've got a webmaster um <laughs> that's dressed in some kind of brown robes and sits in the corner of an office um yeah but uh, I don't know. I don't know the full story, but um, there's a lot of people not backing up stuff. Yes. Uh, I have to nag, please back up your stuff. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to, give us, um, you have to give us some lessons. I'll refer you to the Digital Midden episode. I Absolutely. don't know what number that was, but no, um, we, we talked about that. Um, the fact is, you know, it's, it's digital. It will just be destroyed at a flick of a switch, but um, seems to be uh, that that's definitely going. And also in techie stuff, there's been um, saw there was a, somebody talking about there's a, a website called emblematic.org and they've mm. made a robot that makes logos for you. Yeah, not very well. No, terrible. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they're trying to prove. Uh, I think it's trying to learn, isn't it? Because you can what you do is you put your company name into this um, this web page called mark maker and it then just you it obviously goes off to google fonts or wherever and just generates a whole load of random looking uh well they're just typed out words that you, yes. you put in and they might be in a round box or a square or whatever um and then you can then like or dislike certain design elements and i'm wondering whether it is it trying to learn from those mm. i kind of think it isn't learning anything from those it's just no it's just they're terrible though aren't they yeah it just it just shows you that machine made design is uh is at early stages mm. very much so <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely worth putting in rude words i did that for yeah. a while that was very amusing there's a there's another thing <clears throat> uh, kind of a machine learning thing that i've seen popping up on uh, Twitter. I'm just going to try and find uh, where people have been posting parodies uh, of it. I think it's um, like a. I think it's Microsoft. It's an image recognition. Uh, I can't actually find it. Uh, an image recognition website. I think you can put an image in, and it'll add a caption. Right. So Twitter has been full of people saying, oh, this image captioning, automatic image captioning things, brilliant, and then posting a picture of Donald Trump with something uh, outrageously offensive on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, this seems to be a bit of a thing, doesn't it? We had the, we spoke about the, uh, the AlphaGo uh, kind of AI game playing thing, which was uh, based on different types of machine learning, and now we've got image recognition, automatic logo creation. That's kind of, it's the, it's the new thing, isn't it? Yeah, it seems to be. Um, people are starting to merge websites with sort of automated learning or mm. AI or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, I think we're still a million miles away from anything useful, aren't we? No doubt. If we can't control a thermostat in the home... Then we're not yeah. going to make 
uh, things that make design, you know, that make decisions based on experience. Yeah. Although, you know, they can beat us at go now. So that's it. We'll be out of a job soon, John. Yeah. Um, so something else I saw, which uh, you've said you've got a little follow on to, uh, was an article about uh, Victorian. This was on Atlas Obscura, which is a, a website I've only just come across, which is just full of really weird uh, kind of quirky articles on bizarre stuff. Um, but it was an article called Victorians Wanted to Contact Aliens Using Giant Mirrors, which obviously uh, piqued my interest. Uh and it was, it's a tale of lots of different kind of German, uh, German and American and Swiss scientists, I think, kind of a, a French inventors, uh, who at the kind of turn of the century, uh, this was the 19th century, um, I don't know, 1899, this was Nikola Tesla, amongst others, uh, were putting together plans to contact aliens on other planets, particularly Venus and Mars, because obviously they were uh, reasonably convinced that they were Martians and Venusians. Would that be, would that be the term for someone from Venus? Why not? Yeah. Uh, and they were going to use uh, mirrors and focusing light. Uh, in this, what's, what's the... Uh, those lamps that the Navy used to use to signal to each other. You know, they used to kind of flash, flash yeah. those lights. I don't know. Um, they're going to use big lights, shine them at other planets and try and message the aliens. <laughs> um, uh, Gauss. Is it Gauss? The, uh, is that how you pronounce yep. it? Yep. Gauss uh, came up with an idea, in, uh, an idea involving 100 mirrors, which was 16 square feet each. And they'd create a giant heliotrope, uh, which would reflect the sunlight all the way to the moon. Um, so, uh, yeah, it would seem to be quite a, a fascination with uh, scientists at, at kind of that time. Is this concept stuff or is this, um, you know, is this like turning base metal into gold? Or is it something a bit higher than that where actually the belief because of the mix of religion and science was still fairly, you know, intertwined. Is there some, was this, you know, there was no proof, was there? <laughs> well, obviously not of, uh, there, there was life on Mars or Venus, but was what, that no, in the public, you know, knowledge? Was that? Uh, well, absolutely. It was, I think it was accepted as being facts. I think people just assumed there was life on Mars for certainly a, a good period of time. There was a 19th century uh, astronomer called Giovanni Schiaparelli who looked at Mars through a telescope and saw canals. Um, and wh whatever he saw, obviously, we now know wasn't there. But he, um, he drew maps of Mars with all these canals connecting places. And then, you know, once these maps make it into the public domain, people are giving names to them and other astronomers kind of claim to have seen them as well. So it just became something that for a period of time, I guess until telescopes got better, um, was just accepted. And obviously you can't have canals without someone to build them. So yeah, so it was, it was, it was an accepted fact for a, a period of time. Tesla, apparently when he died in... 
I don't know, 1930s or 40s. Uh, I'd apparently been working on an invention to send energy across vast distances. Um, but when he died, there were no details to be found about the machine. Well, there were, um, even in the 40s, um, I'm going to be get this completely wrong but i'm pretty sure michael benteen do you remember michael benteen's potty <laughs> time i do his father, that wasn't that wasn't a documentary job <laughs> his father was a scientist and i think he was a military scientist for the navy and he sort of invented the degaussing um okay. magnetic to stop magnetic mines going towards a ship so basically it just reverses the polarity so they you know they pushes the mines away um but he was obsessed with um, with memory, and he tried to. Uh, he thought that every energy was, you know, become something else, and he invented a machine. And I, I might be completely wrong here. I remember somebody telling me this, but um, he tried to invent a machine that could extract the energy from walls in buildings and then rebuild the lives. Uh, sounds, etc., of the Ooh. people that lived in those things. So it's like a sort of ghost extracting machine. Yeah. That's definitely something to uh, we could have a look into. And, and you know, there is. Uh, I, I can't remember who it was. Uh, there was a radio play that I listened to, and uh, it was from the seventies or eighties, but it was still on iPlayer last year. And it was about some scientists who'd gone to an old castle or house. And they were using specialist recording equipment to kind of uh, record the ghosts of this house, which they claimed in the uh, in the play were kind of etched somehow into the fabric of the building. Yeah. So that's a very similar sort of idea, I think. It's quite a scary play, actually. Yeah. I'll look it up, and if I can find it, I'll stick it on the uh, stick it on the show notes. Yeah, I have to uh, have to have a have have a look into that story. And yeah. I think somehow the guy who wrote um, Spycatcher, Peter, what was his name? Oh yeah. Uh, anyway, he he was involved in it as well. Somehow, I don't know. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That might be wrong, but uh, I think a lot of the um, a lot of spies were from naval. Um, yes. Backgrounds, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, I know the famous one Fleming is Fleming. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, Commander Bond, obviously. Indeed. Um, yeah, well, that's that brings me on to the thing that you were talking about, about Victorians. They, they're a strange lot, weren't they? Um, very, very focused, but also prepared to accept, you know, spiritual worlds mm. quite, quite happily. But they, you know, they were very practical people. There was a writer called Edward Bulwer-Lytton, um, who I think he was also um, a lord of, oh, what was he? He was a secretary of state for the colonies, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, lovely chap. Um, he was a writer, uh, like a sort of pulp fiction writer in the 19th century, very well known. Um, I'd imagine sort of Stephen King-like. He wrote lots of sci-fi okay. type things. Yeah. Well, weirdly, my dad had this book and he gave it to me and it's called The Coming Race. And I thought it was just, you know, some kind of loony book. Um, uh, it had this weird symbol on the front of it. And I only read a few first few pages on it. And it was some kind of like, it's a book about these race of people that are living inside the planet Earth um, and that could rise up at any time. And they have this property called Vril. 
Um, you can see where I'm going with Vril, mm. uh, what I about, told you about earlier. But the book is about um, the hunt for a subterranean master race. And it was picked up by the Nazis and they kind of built a sort of semi-cult around it. And even today, um, you know, repugnant and, yeah, neo-Nazis use it as some kind of, um, you know, Teutonic knight kind of oh. ritual. But, um yeah, they they uh, they're waiting for these people with this vril and still hunting for this energy source that was um, totally powerful, but could do good and bad. It depended on who, whose hands it was in. But um, yeah, you should check out the coming race. Um, it's yeah. very strange, but yeah, vril the word became actually really quite widely used in Victorian vernacular, um, and it came to mean sort of a life giving force and that's why the chap who invented bovril gave vril to the word bovril which is uh if you're not from the uk it's a sort of meaty extract drink um bow being bovine um and (laughs) really doesn't sound appetizing and vril being some made-up alien life force (laughs) (laughs) that is a great pub quiz fact that is a good fact isn't it yeah i'd never heard of vril no neither oh well i i I didn't know it made bovril but um, But it's amazing, it's isn't it, that words, I love these words that are, that are sort of, were made in um, and made up in, in fiction and actually entered the local, vernac- you know, the, mm. the vernacular of the time and, and have now faded away. I'd love to know if there are more, you know, there must be loads and loads of words that were widely used that have just fallen into dis- disuse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's like, may the force be with you or something like that. It's, yeah. It has no meaning outside, you know, before 1977, it has no meaning. And and I guess in 30, 40 years time, well, unless they keep making these blooming remakes, it will be long gone, won't it? I'm sure it will. Yeah. That's great. Love that. We should definitely do a, an episode about words. You know, just, words to, is good. just to lose a few more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's one for, you know, for designers. I think you should be good writers. Um, it will help. Yes. Uh, so yeah good words are good aren't they bovril mm. put bovril yeah. in everything yeah it's delicious uh <laughs> yeah not entirely sure no it's not that nice um i only really know it from uh the few football matches i've been to where you get it in a cup yeah yeah on a cold cold february in stoke as they say um the other bit of uh designing news uh i spotted this week was um an interview with Simon Stallenhag, which I'm sure I haven't pronounced correctly. Uh, if you imagine the chef from the Muppets saying it, probably close to the mark. He's a Swedish concept artist and illustrator. And I love his stuff, and I know you love his stuff. If you haven't seen it, look him up. Look, look him up. Simon Stallenhag. He paints these beautiful, kind of traditional-looking paintings in a realist style of kind of near, well, present day or very, very near future scenes of kind of urban normality. And then there'll be a robot, like a big, cool looking robot, orange robot usually. Or there'll be uh, be a spaceship gently hovering in the background. Or there'll be the wreckage of something or some kind of tentacle. Uh, and they're just, I think they're just the most remarkable pictures he makes. Really, really evocative 
interesting pictures that just make you want to dive into his world. I mean, he has got a book out. Um, has he? Which I can't remember the name of. I'm sure it's on this website somewhere. Yeah, and it's not mentioned on there. Um, yes, so he has got a book out, um, which I must get because his stuff is just great. Yeah, it has this sort of Edward Hopper-like... Um, yeah, sort uh, of painterly, painterly realism, isn't it? Yeah, but it's dystopian, um, but in the countryside. So if mm. you imagine sort of Fargo, yeah, with snowy, snowy uh, landscape, but then in the distance is a sort of disconnected spaceship or on top of a, a really grim-looking tower block is a kind of arresting... Uh, hovercraft or you know there's a ro- kids playing with robots um yeah you know sort of remote control almost vr style thing um so they they could be just family shots couldn't they the things the- that you just skim through but actually when your eye catches on them he he's particularly good at a twilight light he is with yeah a, he's like um is it him what's his how do you pronounce it mcquay mcquay uh McHugh, McHugh. Um, it's like his touch of light um is a little bit looser um probably but it has that same he has that same ability to be able to just paint with light yeah um, i think that's something that you know concept artists are just remarkable at you know i think they're incredibly underrated as artists uh you know we mentioned star wars a couple of minutes ago and you know if you look at the the people who did the map paintings for that or concept art you know, the actual talent and skill and finish of their work is just breathtaking. And I think, you know, people like Simon Stalinarg and Amy Q have got that same degree of skill. So it's uh, remarkable stuff. His book, by the way, is called Tales from the Loop. Right. Um, I have to check and, that out. Yeah. I've, only, I've, I've seen him through your stuff and um, it's only when you posted that um, that interview that I realised who it is. But yeah, yeah. It's, it is phenomenal stuff. He's very dry. Um you know, he's yeah, yes. His, his he's the not, interview is quite dry. It's not full of laughs or anecdotes. Is no, it? but I don't think the interview is the best quality. It doesn't yeah. really get under his skin of him as an artist. But it yeah. talks more about his process um, yeah. and how he got into it. Uh, yeah, I've never seen the dinosaur ones before. Uh, no, I hadn't actually. It's like that film by um, was it called Monsters? Um, mm. Sort of similar, Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards. Yeah, similar to that, isn't it? Yeah. He's doing the, the latest um, Star Wars thing, isn't he? I heard, yeah. The uh, Rogue One. Oh. That, yeah. That's Star like a Wars sort of story. In, an indie kind of production within the universe, is it? Well, not really. I think that was one of the plans for them when they announced them. But um, it seems, well, he's describing it as a war movie set in the Star Wars universe, but it's going to have Darth Vader and Death Star in it. So I think, nice. it's, I think it's just a Star Wars film, really. Oh, I've got. Uh, I haven't seen the new Star Wars yet. Um, it's very good. And somebody, uh, Alex, the guy I'm doing this game stuff with, brought me the DVD last night. Hmm. Um, I didn't. I had, didn't have the heart to tell him I don't have a DVD player. But um, <laughs> I will find a way. Does he listen to the podcast? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, I, I will. Uh, I will. I will. Um, yeah, I'll have to watch it on a laptop or something. It's good. I mean, it's it's remarkable uh, how they've stolen well not stolen obviously but they've basically rehashed the entire plot from the first star wars film um which i think you know ramps up the nostalgia uh, exactly as they wanted uh, but yes yeah, good certainly better than the three prequels put together 
Yeah. <sighs> right. What's next? Have you got anything, any other newsy bits? Um, oh, I saw a nice lamp, but I, I don't think that's really that important. But it's a, it's a lamp that, um, that. Oh, the moon wha- lamp. Yeah. It's like the, it's like a little model of the moon with a sort of like a halo of LED lights, but it moves the, oh, the lunar, the lights move around the moon to make it look like it's waxing and waning. Yeah. It's it really quite nice. cool. I don't know if it is, if it is an actual, no, it's not a product, is it? Um, oh, is it's it a, a Kickstarter, Kickstarter yeah. so it might or might never happen. There is another. There's another beautiful moon light which comes in different sizes, and it's it's just a globe with a really accurate rendering of the moon's surface on it, and it lights up from the inside. Um, and you can get them in different sizes. And I keep getting an electric shock from my earphones. Oh, yeah, it is. That's, like, that's what could be causing that buzzing, but that we haven't had for ages. <laughs> We could talk about the electric shock thing from Apple products that I've always had in this I've country. always had that as well. Yeah. You, you know, you only have to run your hand over the speaker grill of a MacBook yep. to get that weird buzzing. It's a weird kind of vibration in your fingertips. Yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah, I don't know what it is. No, I don't either. But maybe they're all just badly earthed. Yeah. Well, have you ever had one blow up? Because they make a right old bang when they blow up. The uh, the old uh, cheese grater G5s, were they called? Yeah, yeah. Wow, G5s, I had one of those G5s, properly yeah. explode. Oh no! Yeah, so I'll put the link of that in there. It looks very nice, but it's a Kickstarter, mm. and you know, lots of uh, moody shots with moleskins on the table. Um, mm, yeah. yeah, ubiquitous. I think the word for that is. So should we? we, we should we dive into our uh, our little discussion this week, which is uh, music? We're going to talk about music, uh, and particularly kind of office music. No, not office music. It makes it sound like lift music, but. <laughs> Music, uh, music in the studio, music to work with, by, to be inspired by, maybe, what helps you concentrate, what, what you can't listen to when you work. Um, yeah, and also, you know, dealing with the politics of music. Yes. Because it can be uh, a very polarising, can't it? It can. So yeah, talk, that, about, talk about your music, like how you started off. Um, did you go and see lots of bands as a teenager? Were you I into didn't. music? I didn't at all. Uh, and sadly, the first gig I ever went to, and one of only about six gigs I've ever been to in my life, because I'm just not a gigging person, uh, was Prince. Oh. I saw him in 88 at Main Road. I think it was 88. Um, and yeah, so, so the news today as we're recording this is um, that Prince has died at age 57, which is very sad. Uh, I was a huge fan as a kid. Um, uh, incredibly talented bloke and very sexy to someone put on twitter put your hand up if you lost your virginity to um purple rain which got quite a lot of responses um but yeah so that's very sad but yeah i wasn't i was never um and i still don't think i am passionate about music i like music um i like listening to music i like discovering new music but i'm not i'm not one of these people who are absolutely passionate about it who go to gigs who you know, buy their favourite artists in every format possible. I haven't um, gone out and bought myself a little turntable so I can start purchasing vinyl again. Um, but I do like music, and uh, particularly I like music generally that tells a story. So I like acoustic stuff and I like folk and, uh, you know, I like to be sort of transported by the lyrics of music more often than 
the music itself, I think. Um, so I've always liked people who can tell a story. What about you? You were- Like Ralph McTell. <laughs> it was in the name, wasn't it? Yes. <clears throat> Those exactly. streets of London. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what about you? Were you, uh, were you a crazy gig goer in your I, I was teens? a total little snotty muso. Um, Actually, I've seen a picture of your school bedroom that you posted <laughs> recently, yeah. which was uh, full of pictures of kind of new romantic type stuff on the walls, wasn't it? Well, no, I think it was um, what we used to do is get, because uh, you inherited rooms um, and you could you were allowed to paint them any colour you wanted. Right. Is this as long as they were in the colours of uh, Gryffindor r- yeah, as long as you yeah, it didn't puff, cro- puff. cross cross swords or whatever. No, yeah. um, no, you could literally. Like, so I think I inherited a bright red room. So a lot of what you know, you could either paint it or you just literally got a copy of one of your mum's Vogues or Country Life, or whatever, and just went through it, stripped it out, and cut all the pictures out. So mine <laughs> were generally yeah, Vogue I think or L or whatever my sister had. Mary, no, I don't think Mary Claire was around then. Yeah. And then you just stuck that all over the place, and then. You know, I did drawings where I would get away with it on the wall, um, but it was pretty riotous. You know what you could do in the in back in those days. Sounds it, uh, yeah. So you could decorate it, and and I called it my my room was called Standish's room, um, which was the haunted room of the <laughs> of the uh, of our house, which is always good, isn't it? Um, yeah. Normally, they left traditionally would leave a spare room um, in my house so that the ghost wouldn't walk the corridors at night. Um, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we need to clarify. When you say house, school, house. Yeah, I went to, yeah. I was sent to boarding school. And um, you, so you have, uh, you know, it's split into all sorts. Yeah, like Gryffindor yeah. or whatever. Um, and uh, mine was called Orange after William of Orange. They, um, yeah, a kid, uh, you know, I don't know if this is true, but he had committed suicide by jumping out of the windows of one of the rooms. And then, uh-huh. so the room that he jumped out of was my room in at that time. And he, the one that I sent, put the photo of strontium dog yes. on. And, uh, he, um, he, obviously they didn't have a spare room that year because they had a big uptake. So the ghost walked, walked the, uh, the halls, uh, <laughs> I know, what I never, a bizarre story. Yeah, I never saw Standish. No. <laughs> Is it still called defenestration if you jump out of a window yes. willingly? Or being thrown out of. Yeah. Yes. So- uh, because I've just read, yeah, I've just read, a, um, finished that time of gifts. Uh, okay. And uh, there's lots of defenestration in the Czech Republic, actually. Is there really? Yeah. Czechia. You mean Czechia? Sorry. <laughs> Czechoslovakia yes. um, back then. Um, but yeah, uh, in Prague, lots of um, people being bunged out and also depontification. Thrown off bridges? Yeah. Huh? yeah. So, uh, anyway, so you were telling us about your musical history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they weren't bands. No, but um, yeah, I was in, really into music. Um, we had a really good place to go to gigs in the town that I grew up called Windsor. It was called The Old Trout and uh, it was on the kind of national gig roster uh, of indie stuff so you'd get like you know all sorts of decent bands there um i worked for our price so yeah i you you could say i was a bit of a yeah bit of a muso um and uh yeah university did lots of gigging and um subsequently yeah lots and lots of gigs do you um, are you musical at all do you play uh, a, no. a ukulele or a french horn no i've yeah i've been in a band once um, I'm, I'm not suited to, 
to that. <laughs> <laughs> what What was your? I played bass. Um, okay. I don't. Think, I don't think we ever played any gigs. So um, I, I automatically assume that's a double bass rather than a bass guitar. <laughs> no, it was bass guitar. I could hardly get to the end of the thing. I'm so small. I could hardly reach the reach the thing. I play. I have played guitar very badly, but um, no, I'm. I have no musical talent in right, whatsoever. Um, sadly, yeah, I, I, I do like music. Anyway, we're going. Have we gone way off topic? Yeah, way off topic. So, yeah. it, it, in in work, obviously, I started in a factory, so you'd have to listen to whatever the radio station was blasting out. And I lived, uh, I worked in um, next to the sign writer, so he had classic FM pretty much all the time, unless he was in a bad mood where he'd play a lot of jazz from the sixties, which was quite yeah. I I really liked. Um, he was sort of ex drummer for a jazz band. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazing guy, Tony Semple, his name was. Very stroppy, very yeah. creative guy. He could make anything. Um, he could hand cut like lettering. You'd say, right, okay, I'd want a um, a 50 mil high um, sans serif uh, sort of gothic style. And he would hand cut it on a bandsaw. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. He was so, ta- you know, he just had amazing um, memory for for typefaces. That's an impressive skill. Yeah, it was cool. Um, but then when you get into a studio, you start getting all the different types of people who want to control music, don't you? Or yeah. don't want to hear music. So I've written down a load of my descriptions for them. Okay. Yeah. This is good. Go well, on. I started with the music bully. Right. So they're the person that, you know, imposes their will on the rest of the studio. And it's often why you see, if you go into a studio with music playing, 90% of everybody else will be wearing headphones. headphones. Yeah. So that is not, that is a despotic ruler. <laughs> it is. Plus the fact that they'll probably have a couple of little uh, acolytes that um, like the stuff that they like and yeah. um, sneer at everybody else. Um, that's so it's, not- it's almost like a music bully, music snob. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then I've got Gormcore I've put down. I don't know right. what I was thinking there. I think what I'm saying is people who just couldn't care less whatever music's going on. They just, you know, they wouldn't put headphones on anyway. They just sit there and listen to yes. whatever. Um, it could be, you know, they could be right next to the speaker and it could be, a, you know, volume 11, yeah. but they wouldn't really bother. They're, ex- they're exactly the same people who will never choose any music for a studio. Oh, no, I've, I've... Oh, have you got a separate listing? Well, I've called them um, of no opinions <laughs> with a Z. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ones that you know put under pressure to do a playlist um, will just completely uh, bow out. Mm. But there's there's, uh, there's quite a lot of those about. Yeah, I think I, I, I've I've tried to do that in the past, but I think that ends up I, me being a music bully. Mm. Um, but I like the oral sculptors, is what I've called Ooh. them, which is a it's, it's just a silly play on words from a Stranglers album, but um, which actually had on side B of the cassette of oral sculpture was it called oral sculpture yeah, side b was an adventure game that you could plug into your spectrum or whatever really yeah and um and play a stranglers related text-based adventure game wow. somebody needs to check that out whether that's yeah true. i'm pretty sure that's yeah that's true um terrible album by the way they'd, they'd reached the end of their their powers by then yeah i've put here uh private listeners obviously people who yep. just always have headphones in which yeah, can I used, be, can I used to work with a guy. Frustrating. I used to work with a guy who who always had his headphones in, and he would never tell you what he was listening to. <laughs> so I, I've no idea still what his taste in music was. Oh, uh, right. guy, guy Hawkins, if you're listening, I know you're not. But uh, it could have been Hungarian folk. 
It could have been Rachmaninoff. It could have been the Pointer Sisters. I've no idea. But I used to listen to music all day. Wow. I've no idea what you listen to. So, yeah, so the, the oral sculptors are people who can play music from all different types of uh, genres and th- th- it seems to be effortless for them. Um, yeah. And they're really valuable. We used to have one, Mark Baldwin, brilliant at um, making um, playlists. Um, yeah. He was sorely missed when he went. Um, then you've got the the other side of that is the noise polluters, people who just put on really, really loud dance music. Um, in the last place when we were bought out, they had terrible taste in music. And I, you know, I'm not afraid to, to say that it was the worst music I've ever had to listen to in my life. And it was really, really loud, played on massive speakers <sighs> that poor old uh, Nick Barber was sat right next to. Poor um, Nick. And it would have driven me. I just, I turned into a uh, a private listener at that point. Because it was so bad, yeah. And I'm going to mix them with the cheesy, cheesy quavers because they are the you know the ones Just who always want to play pounding, thumping uh, dance music. Yeah, and they're, they're they're also related to the inappropriate <laughs> inappropriate volumizer. <laughs> I don't know what I think. I'm like being drunk. Um, uh, and then the, and then there's just the repeaters, the people who play the same thing over and over again every time yeah. they put under pressure. There used to be a guy at uh, the sign place that I used to work. You just just either put on the best of David Bowie or the best of Billy Joel. Yeah. Uh, you know, wow. But that every Friday. Yeah. Well, I can, I can empathize with, uh, with all of those characters that you've, you've, uh, conjured up beautiful names for. Have you got uh, any, have you got any? Well I, well, I didn't prepare any names for them, John. I feel slightly, uh, slightly lax now, but I think to those I'd add the people a little bit like the repeaters, yeah. uh, who will always be, uh, always try and get their music played, but all they'll do is play the best of Beyonce, or they'll have a an R and B playlist, or it'll be um, the best of Fleetwood Mac, but and they'll just put the whole album on, um, which is just lazy, I think. <laughs> You're you know, it's music, lazy. Music bully, everyone. Music it's, bully. No, it's lazy. <laughs> and it is, and it is. you know, I think they have obviously been subjected uh, to some uh, hassle from the music bully because it's kind of fearful as well, isn't it? You know, it's easy to put an album on. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're kind of assuming that this has been going on for a long time, but actually thinking about it, it used to be just a... Uh, there used to be no music whatsoever. It was radio, wasn't it? But yeah. um, but then MP3s, everyone's just started, in our one anyway, we just brought in loads of CDs and just ripped them onto the servers. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, people would just um, play from that one big playlist. But now you've got Spotify. Well, I, think, I think Spotify's changed everything, hasn't it? Because you can have, obviously in an office, you can have a communal playlist. You can add, everyone can add to it, um, which often makes for a really weird... <laughs> I haven't Playlist. experienced that. <laughs> uh, you know, where you've got all those different people you mentioned adding music to a, to a playlist, coming up with some beautiful choices, and then you'll get 11 tracks in a row, which will be Fleetwood Mac or Beyonce or um, reggae or something, uh, yeah. which kind of ruins the moment. Uh, but what, you said, what was the name you gave to the pe- the oral sculptors? Yeah. Uh, the last place I worked in London in Shoreditch, uh, there was uh, a guy called Leon who was a in a heavy metal rock band. In fact, I think I think he called it Doom Disco Doom. <laughs> right. uh, it was like some weird kind of metal prog rock thing. His last album, I, I think it had you know 
four songs on it and they're all about 16 or 17 minutes long and he, you wouldn't have expected him to have such a diverse taste in music but he used to put some amazing stuff on that you'd never heard but the first time of hearing you think god this is this is amazing um so they're not the the kind of music buffs these oral sculptors are not are not always the people you'd expect right no, no. i certainly wouldn't put myself in that uh that list but i think when i um chose music i but you have to tread a fine line, I think, between interesting and inoffensive if you're, you know, slightly caring about your work mates. Because you don't want to put on stuff that everyone's going to hate. But similarly, you don't just want to put on, you know, nothing background music. Yeah. Uh, so you have well, to pick some kind we, of interesting we, stuff. We used to have like the the general shout out of no... <laughs> <laughs> whatever yeah. you know you get bad stuff on there and then it just gets fast forwarded yeah um, but you have to be if you're in an if you're in a studio day in day out you have to be the person that is quite thick-skinned and uh and quite willing to do that because uh, you know it can be become really tedious can't it <laughs> to do that all the time i mean yeah. i find just for myself it can become really tedious and i i find these days i more and more less and less words um in you know less and less singing in yeah unless it's choral because uh, I just can't concentrate. Um, and sometimes I'll sit the whole day, I'd have played one album or one, you know, track and it stopped in you know, sort of, you know, quarter past nine in the morning. And I realize it's five o'clock and I haven't played anything else because I yeah. just haven't, I'm just in a, in a different zone, but um, it's definitely something that I need. I do need it to, uh, to drown out the, you know, your, especially self doubt and things like that that you're, you know, oh, am I doing the right thing here? Or is that email crafted right or whatever? I think music can sort of, can soothe that a little bit, and especially if you're working on your own. It can be very, very quiet. <laughs> it can. And that, it's kind of an oppressive silence, isn't it, if you're working yeah. on your own? And you and you particularly if you're sort of struggling to, to you know, fine-tune a bit of design or come up with ideas for something. And it's, you know, sometimes it can be a, a, a real struggle. Um, and silence really in those cases, I don't think helps at all. So I think music can, it, well, you know, in any situation, it changes the atmosphere, doesn't it? And, you know, if you pick the right music, it lifts the mood and that's got to help you as a person feeling, you know, better about the day. And I guess you're going to do, you know, the better you feel about the day, the better work you're going to do. You know, really, um, um, <laughs> can't remember what I was going to say then. Uh, <laughs> a really rough, uh, rough description of how it works. Um, yeah, we, we, um, what about going to gigs with fellow workmates and things like that? Have you ever done that? Or are you, I you're have not really a gig goer, oh, are you? I, I did a bit actually. I think I went to a gig with Nick, uh, right. Nick Barber. Um, when we were working for Astound, we went to see, uh, Chung King. Do you know Chung King? I think they're still going. There's a, I think it's a couple of guys and a, a woman who sings uh i don't know how you describe their music but we went to go see them in shoreditch before i knew really what shoreditch was um i think that's the only gig i've been to with a work colleague but yeah have you been to <clears throat> i'm trying to I, I used to go a lot with mark um yeah baldwin yeah been to loads of stuff but um i think we went up we all went out once um with the agency we went to see the beastie boys um at brixton academy and that was a good night cool uh but no not generally not i didn't really socialize a lot you know um you, t you tend to spend so much time don't you working with people 
Yeah, I'm I'm a bit terrible like that. I tend not to go out very often with work colleagues. Um, I mean, I even need to get out of the office on my lunchtime. Yeah. Um, not, you know, nothing against any of the people I work with, have worked with in the past. Well, most of them. Um, but yeah, you just need a break. Yeah. I mean, luckily that these days with headphones and stuff, you can just escape from that music, but it can you become can. ridiculous, can't it? And I, especially chat based radio stations would drive me mad. Uh, I, I can't listen to talking these days. Uh, well, I, can I, I can when I walk in the dogs and stuff and I'm out, yeah. but not, not sitting in front of a computer. I can listen to Northerners talking. So I can listen to Guy Garvey's show or uh, Ratcliffe and McCurney. I can listen to them. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily listen. I just zone out and I just have their Northern accents in the background. That's quite nice. I will just briefly before we um, finish the topic of music, which is that I would say when I was choosing music, at the office, the two top songs that I ever put on, uh, which I'll add to the playlist, are Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon uh, and Johnny and Mary by Robert Palmer. I think they got the best <laughs> best reception out of any music I ever put on. So uh, they'll go on the playlist. Uh, and I'd advise you to go listen to those songs now. Yeah, they're fantastic. They're cracking. They are. Uh, there you go. We're, we're well over an hour um we are so we need to go on to your website of the week yes my website of the week is uh, another twitter account um i spend way too much time on twitter as my wife will tell anyone who listens and it's postcard from the past and it's uh the description of the account is fragments of life in real messages on postcards from the past delivered to you every day uh and they're beautiful so the twitter account posts the fronts of all postcards and most of them seem to be kind of 1920s to 1950s. There's a few older ones, a few newer ones. Uh, and then a little excerpt of the, the text. So the top one at the, the minute is, having a lovely time with Antonia, but can't stay later than Monday, for reasons I will explain. Arrivederci. Uh, and it's a, a little postcard, black and white picture of Livorno in, uh, in Italy. And uh, they're just beautiful little snapshots of a time gone by. Very poignant. And that because they're the text that accompanies the the pictures is just a fragment of what's written on the back. They, You kind of want to know more. Um, so the, the previous one is having a nice time with plenty to do. The food is very good and plenty of it. I hope Ricky is behaving himself. Well, what was Ricky up to? Uh-huh. I want to know. So, uh, so that's my website of the week. It's, it's a beautiful little thing. This one says... I'm missing my CD player microwave and burglar alarm. Luckily, <laughs> mum has got two videos, so I think I'll survive. Oh, yeah, so so there are some a little more recent. <laughs> and this is a time traveller. Uh, yeah, a brilliant site. Yeah, really nice. Uh, and your website of the week? Typewolf is a, uh, a site about what's trending in type, and it's got some really good little features on it. One I found today, which I didn't know about, um, but I was hunting for a what I'd call a printer's hand, but it's actually um, called an index. That's things that I learn all the time. Um, So it's got a typography cheat sheet, um, which you can download as a PDF or it's a rendered HTML page, which is beautiful. It's a beautiful site as well. And uh, yeah, it sort of goes through all of the different marks that you can have in um, type um, from trademarks to plus and minus signs to, you know, scents um, all the way through to the more sort of esoteric ones. 
Um, That's really nice. Like the uh, Index or Manacool, it's called, and ah. the Hedera, which is the little ivy leaf that you see in fonts. Yeah. Um, and I was reading about these. I don't, you know, what what were they used for? But they were actually to indicate a new piece of text or a quoted piece of text. So. I'm, I've got a website I'm designing at the moment that is based in the 19th century, so I'm thinking of using these a little bit throughout it. See what, see how I, see if I can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, um, you should. Yeah, lovely. Uh, but yeah, it's a really nice site. It's really helpful as well. It has really good bit of font recommendations and it does pairings, um, but not just of uh, print <coughs> fonts, but also um, web fonts. Okay. Um, and it's really, and it shows examples of it being used in the wild. It's not too um, mustachio and uh, and braces trendy. Yeah. It's um, it's quite practical. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit like, um, have you seen fonts in use? That's uh, another site that kind of shows sort of pairings of no, I haven't no. of fonts out in the wild, which is sometimes quite nice. But yeah. that's, I think that's very modern. Yeah, um, I think sometimes I I just get such little time, you know, on the coalface actually designing that I don't yeah. have time to do this kind of research. But um, it's nice sometimes to just dip back in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So but that's yeah. that's lovely. Yeah, uh, really, I must have really seen helpful. it at some point because it was in my uh, favourites, but right. uh, I've forgotten all about it. Yeah. yeah. And like you say, beautifully set. Really nice. good. I'm not sure who's behind that, but whoever they are, clever people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yes, just before we get on to pies, I'll just quickly, I got um, in the post this week, the issue three of the Monotype Recorder. So Monotype, the type foundry behemoth, um, produces beautiful, uh, I think it's quarterly, magazine called The Recorder. Uh, and I'll put some pictures up on... Uh, on Twitter, and it's a beautiful thing. It's all about design and type, uh, a little bit on photography, but it's one of the most beautifully put together magazines you can imagine. I think the art director is Luke Tong, who's on uh, who's on Twitter. Um, and it, yeah, I was a bit confused because it it arrived on my doorstep with a, a, a nice handwritten note um, saying, "Hi, Robert. Enclosed is your advanced copy. Uh, hope you enjoy it." And I thought, I don't remember ordering that, uh, and it turns out I didn't. So I must have tweeted about Monotype at some point, and they've sent me a free copy, which is bloody lovely of them. And it came in a beautiful, embossed little uh, greetings card. So I, I said to someone, does that mean I've made it? Um, and they told me I'd peaked. So it's all downhill from there. Um, but yeah, I'll post some more pictures of the Monotype recorder. So if you, I think it's uh, available to order now. Um, so if you can get your hands on a copy, it's gorgeous. Smells nice too. As does a nice bit of print, usually. Pie. Yeah. yeah. Yes, John, yeah. you've got a pie? You've got yeah. a pie. It was hand-delivered. It's, um, this, shall I do mine first? Yeah, go for it. It's, it's a pucker pie. Ooh. Yeah, uh, which is a big brand, isn't it? Yeah, says, is, that, is that like a good brand? No. Or is that... Ginsters? It's like the ones you get in a fish and chip shop, isn't it? The, the sit oh, on the yes, top of it is. deep fat fry. This is, yeah. a, this says a strange bit of copy here, based on the original. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Right. Um, I think that means based on the original chicken and mushroom pie, um, don't compromise. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm meant to be compromising on. I don't yeah. know what the original was like. Could have been yeah. awful, couldn't it? Yeah, I wonder when the original was. Well, it doesn't. It's Mrs. Good. Miggins Pie Shop. Well, it says on the site, no, it's, we're taking you back to 1963. <laughs> oh, I see. The essence of Valerie Storer's original recipe. They've added more chicken stock. So sit back, enjoy, and let your taste buds do the rest. Oh, this is this is magic. This is yeah. 
so I'm going to go into it. It's kind of pale looking pie. My, my mm-hmm. wife's put um, a, a basil leaf on top of it as part of um, her hilarious <laughs> joke making. Um, Did she find this funny? Yeah. Does she listen to the podcast? Uh, no. Well, if I'm, yeah, I, I play it at night. Uh, before just to make sure I haven't messed up like I did last week. Send everyone to sleep. Yeah, and we'll both fall asleep to it. Um, This is, it just looks like a pie that you get from a fish and chip shop. Okay. Yeah, it's not good. Really, really gunky sauce inside. Um, Undercooked pastry. Oh dear. I don't think think this is going to be a good week for pies, John. No, it's going to go to four. Oh dear. It's very overly peppered. Um, but yeah, yeah, four. It's like something you'd have in a football match. Yeah. Yeah. Which a football match would be fine. Yeah. Uh, but to accompany the world's leading design podcast, perhaps not. <laughs> or even <That's> ours. ours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you washing it down with anything hoppy? No, I haven't got any beer in the house. I've had a glass of wine while I've been talking to you. Well, have you now? Yeah, a glass of white so wine. That explains so much. Yeah. I had um, a gin and tonic earlier just to... Um, get through bathing and putting to bed a small child i see yeah um well i've got uh i I haven't really gone much better because i was a bit pushed for time and bought a pie just on the way home from work uh and it's a a sainsbury's crusty bake pork pie but it's not even a it's not even a taste the difference so it looks quite good actually the pastry looks pretty good there's very little jelly but and the texture of the meat looks you know it's not too finely ground um, and it's quite, it's, uh, you know, it's quite a nice looking pastry. So I'll just, I'll just dive in. I, I'm, this is being washed down with uh, another twick and a male. I'm on a bit of a theme. I'm going through them all, uh, which is honey dark. Oh, don't know uh, that one. Which is a strong honeyed mild. Um, I like a quite, mild. I do. It's not very, um, honey-y. Um, you can't even think it. Maybe that's the colour. Yeah, it doesn't, certainly doesn't smell. It's got, uh, the honeycomb on the front, so I'm assuming it's more than that. But uh, ingredients: water, barley, wheat, honey, hops, and yeast. Um, but it's very nice. It's not. It's not particularly sort of bitter or particularly dark tasting beer. But um, let's see how it goes with this pot pie. Do you know that's not as bad as I expected? It might be because it's been out of the fridge. I think pot pies straight out of the fridge are a bad thing. But this is kind of room temperature. And I think that's helped in this case. Not brilliant, but not bad. I give it a five. Good. Um, the brown sauce helps in this case. So I think we're going to have to... Um, we're going to have to up all pie game at some point. Um, I'm fully expecting you to rock up one week with a swan or golden plover pie or something. Yeah, well, I blast whatever comes over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with the old uh, blunderbuss, yeah. yeah. Um, no, yeah, I definitely want to. I'm going to order in some pies. We got we got to order some pies in, haven't we? And yeah. taste the same pie when we do yeah, it. Should do that. Um, the uh, I think that's about it now, isn't it? We, I would say we're so. well over time. Um, yeah, it's I'm like just, a double episode. You know, I was talking about Michael Bentine. I just hmm. I've got his Wikipedia page up here, which is always, right. Uh, interesting bloke. Um, I'm just going to end my portion of the show on on the fact uh, of one of his life. In 1968, travelling on the British Hovercraft Corporation, he took part in the first hovercraft expedition up the River Amazon. Wow! <laughs> yeah, how fantastic! There's some brilliant facts there. I'll, I'll yeah. post more, but I'm, I'm mm. going to I'm going to leave it hanging. Go and check out 
Michael Benteen's Wikipedia page. If you don't know who he is, uh, then um, Michael Benteen's Potty Time. Put that into YouTube. It's not. It's not uh, dirty. No. No. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic notes to end on, I think, John. <laughs> uh, two mediocre pies and a startling revelation about Michael Benteen. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, have a lovely weekend, Rob. Uh, you too. I will speak to you over the weekend, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, and we shall reconvene same time, same place next week. Yeah. Okay. Cheerio. Great to talk to you, John. Yeah, you too. See ya. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.